Lord, we just thank you that you're helping us see your goodness every day. Thank you for a new covenant of grace. Thank you for the new creation. Thank you for the reality of you living inside of us and we inside of you. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us understand these great mysteries. The mystery of our own death through your death. The mystery of our own life through your life. The mystery of a new creation. The mystery of a new heart. The mystery of being sons and daughters of God by birth. How can these things be? Great is the mystery of our godliness. Lord, we pray we never lose the wonder of this awesome work that you accomplished. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the reality of this awesome work. Thank you for the reality of your realm, your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes. For you were sent to open the eyes of the blind, to mend the brokenhearted, to release the captives, to proclaim the grace and favor of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we continue your work on earth as you walk through us and speak through us and continue the proclamation of the grace of God with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the reality. In Jesus' name, amen. So good. God is so good. I want to share some thoughts this morning about uh, this, just a brief um, meeting together today before we go into the main meeting and all. And thanks for your prayers for this morning. I'm, I'm, I really feel like I'm supposed to share this morning in the main meeting about the new creation and the new heart and all that that involves. And so thanks for your prayers for, for me with that and that we would, that I'd be able to speak as the, as the oracles of God and people would be able to hear and be encouraged and see uh, the awesome reality Jesus has brought us into. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so I want to share just some few thoughts. And what I thought I'd do is, um, let's look at the, in Luke chapter 5. I just want to, I guess, share this, this thought this morning that has to do with um, this, a message I shared years ago, like back in 1995, I think. Uh, and of course, it's the same message we've been sharing all through the years, but it's really so true that what 
what men call balance, God calls mixture. What men call balance, God calls mixture. Now, what I mean by that is men will say you've got to balance grace and law. You can't have all grace. You have to have grace and law. And we've even heard people say that, um, like, uh, I love the way Clark brought out that verse in the Gospel of John where it says, And Jesus came uh, with grace and truth. He, he brought grace and truth. And you'll hear preachers sometimes teach that that means, yeah, you have grace, but you also have truth. You have the law. So it's like grace and truth. Um, and the other verse in John where Jesus says, um, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And I've heard teachers teach that there it is. There's the balance. Spirit. You know, the spirit is, you know, the gifts of the spirit or the life or whatever. And then truth. Truth, the law, you know, commandments, keep the law, you know, the word or whatever. And that's not what that's saying at all either. Um, because truth actually means the real, just like Clark has been teaching. It means the real in the Greek. It actually means the reality. The real. Um, what is behind all that is seen. That's why Paul says, look not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen. For the seen is temporary and is but a shadow of the real or the unseen. And the unseen is eternal. And it is the real. It is to see Jesus is to see how God really looks in the invisible. To see Jesus is to see the Father. He is the express image of the Father. So, so to see him is to actually have the veil pull back and see what God looks like. It's awesome. So by Christ, we have grace and the reality of who God is. And all that is behind the visible and why it was made and so forth. Because it was all made by him and through him and for him, the Christ. It's awesome. At the center of the universe is this great mystery I had a dream. I took a nap yesterday, and I had a dream in the nap. It was so cool. And in the dream, I was talking to some brother, and I was saying, I said, I said in, the, in the dream, I said, you know the mystery, I've preached this before, but it's just so cool to dream it. I, I was talking to this brother in the dream. I don't know who it was. I was just talking to this brother, and I was saying, I said, you know, the mystery, the mystery is not Christ in you. That's not what some people teach. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I said, you know, the mystery is not Christ in you. Because if the mystery or the secret that was hidden in God before there was a, a world, if the mystery or the secret that was hidden in God is Christ in me, then, and then, oh yeah, in the dream I said, that can't make, that doesn't make sense because this secret, this mystery that was hidden in God was before man was made. Before man. Before anything made. So what is the secret? And so in the dream I said, you know, the secret is Christ himself. And that's what Colossians says. Colossians says, for this is the mystery of God, even Christ. But the riches of the glory of this mystery is now Christ is inside of you. You see the difference? The riches of this secret, the riches of the glory of this mystery that, that hidden in the Father was a son. A wheel within a wheel. The Word within the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The secret hidden in God that the enemy didn't even know about. The Lucifer didn't understand the hidden mystery. 
And so that reality now has come to us. And so the riches of the glory of that mystery is now that Christ who is hidden in the Father is hidden in you. Isn't that awesome? For our life is now hidden with Christ inside of God. Awesome. Union has taken place. That's the riches of the glory of this mystery. The revelation of the Son is now the riches of it is that even as He was hidden in the Father and the world did not recognize Him, even so you are hidden in the Father and the world does not recognize you. Correct. He was sent. He was sent by the Father. In fact, Colossians says that all things were made by the Son, by the Word, by Him, through, and through Him all things were made, and all things were made for Him. Even Lucifer was made, but Lucifer did not understand the mystery of the Son and His death and how all that was going to work. He didn't understand the hidden wisdom. I don't, I don't, I think he didn't see him. I think he heard the prophecies and I heard, he heard that one, one was coming on earth that would defeat him. And he knew that it would be, um, he heard that it would be the son. That's why he would taunt him and say, if you are the son, do this. But I don't think he really saw him. I don't think he knew him. I think the son was, was revealed to men first and not to Lucifer. But in any event, we know the verse that says Lucifer, the ruler of this age, did not understand the hidden wisdom or the mystery. And Christ is the hidden wisdom. Exactly. Otherwise, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory because that was his downfall when he, when he pushed him to death. He thought that would be the end of him. So he didn't understand that wisdom. But it's just cool to ponder this reality because before anything was made, there was, there was this secret hidden in God. And he revealed his son to us, and the son reveals the father to us. The scripture says, no man knows the father but the son. And the scripture says, the son has come from the bosom or the heart of God, and he has explained him. Isn't that awesome? So we can know who the father is through the son, and the son shows us the father, and the father shows us the son. The father reveals the son to us, and the son reveals the father to us. It's just really, it's awesome. And the Spirit now reveals who we are in Him. Awesome. Um, but what I would want to talk about this morning is the, the reality of that when Jesus came, He totally did away with the covenant of law. That He totally was not trying to balance um, law and grace. And this is one of the, this parable here, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 36. Luke chapter 5, verse 36. And he was also telling them a parable. And Jesus said, No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, he will both tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. But notice verse 39. And no one after drinking the old wine wishes for the new, for he says the old is good enough. And one translation it says, 
But the problem with men is that they, they're so used to drinking the old, they don't want to drink the new. They don't want to change. People don't want, they don't want to change. They like the old like it is. So what he's saying here, he's clearly saying here that something new is coming. And he has two comparisons. He compares a shirt, a shirt that has a hole in it. And he goes, he goes no one will take a new shirt and cut a hole in a new shirt to bring that patch and repair the, the, the tear in an old shirt. In another gospel, that same parable, he says, For when it's washed and shrunk, the new piece of fabric will pull away from the old fabric that's already shrunk as much as it can shrink. And it'll pull away. It won't stay. It won't stay together. And it won't match like in this parable. And in that other uh, gospel, it also says, and, and in doing that, you've, you, you haven't repaired the old because it won't work. And you just, you just ruined a new shirt. So what he's saying is that you have to get rid of the old shirt. You have to throw it away. Cast out the bondwoman and her son, Hagar and Ishmael. Cast out the law and the flesh. You must throw it away. It has a hole in it. It cannot cover you. It cannot make you righteous. It, it was never meant to make you righteous. The sin law was given that sin might increase and become ex- exceedingly sinful, that men might come to the end of themselves, that every mouth might be shut, that man would, would come and say, who can be saved? We can't do this. And that's the exact purpose of the, to- of the torn shirt. So try to, trying to repair that torn shirt, trying to make the shirt work, is what men try to do so many times, and that's the mixture that robs people of the truth of the new shirt. And what Jesus is saying is throw the old shirt away, put the new shirt on. Just in the same way with the wine and the wineskins. We've all heard this before, but it's just so good to really think about this. The wineskins would, you know, they, they put wine, new wine into wineskins, and it would be the the soft leather, and they would let the wine ferment. And as it fermented, it caused gases to, to um, form inside, pushing the leather out, the soft leather, <clears throat> making it expand. And as it would expand, the wine would ferment and, and become wine that would, you could drink as wine. But in the meantime, it stretched this leather, this, this soft leather, and then it would harden. The leather would harden in that and that state, because that's, it was a, a container now for the wine. And they put, the, they put it on the shelf, and it would keep the wine in this hardened now leather. Now, you took, after you drank wine out of that hard leather case, if you put new wine back in the old wineskin, what will happen is those same gases will begin to form as the wine is fermenting, and it's, there's no room to stretch, and it'll crack it. The wine will spill out, and Jesus said you'll lose the wine and the wineskin. Both will be ruined. In the same way the two shirts are ruined. See, so new wine must be put into new wineskins. And I think the new, to me, the shirt speaks of righteousness. It's like God is, Jesus is teaching us about righteousness. That you can't cover yourself with that old shirt. And you can't take from him his teachings and apply those teachings to your life and try to cover that old shirt, try to cover that hole that way either. Jesus is not another Moses. He's not a superior Moses. He has not raised the bar as some preachers preach. That now Moses just said, don't commit adultery. But Jesus says, don't even lust in your heart. So he's raised the bar. No. He has raised the bar, but he hasn't raised the bar so you could try to do it. He's raised the bar so you can see you can't do it. So that righteousness would come as a gift by faith. See? And so I think the shirt speaks of the righteous aspect the gift of righteousness in the new covenant the wine speaks of life the wine speaks of of life like when you turn the water into wine at the wedding and i think the the wineskin speaks of a mindset 
that you have to put the new wine in a new mindset. Uh, Romans 8 says the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So it's it's like a mindset. Uh, Set our minds on things above, the, the apostles taught. So seeing the new creation and the new heart and your union with Christ is the new mindset. Seeing this and entering into this rest is the new mindset. In that mindset, the spirit of life flourishes. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And fruit comes forth. And, we, and no flesh can glory in his presence and say, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm working on it. And God's doing this because I'm doing something. Or, you know, it's not this matter of, um, of uh, trying to perfect ourselves in the flesh. It's not a matter of... of uh, of doing that. Uh, Moses' face begins, began to shine, the scripture says, as he beheld the glory of God. And the scripture says he knew not that his face was shining. He knew not. Because God's transformation is not self-conscious. He knew not that his face was shining. Jesus tells a parable about the righteous and the unrighteous and how they went to prisons and they helped the poor and they fed the, the hungry. And they said, when did we do these things? When did we do these things? They're not self-conscious about their good deeds. They're not so self-conscious about themselves doing good. When did we do these things? They just were living Christ, to live as Christ. And the same way with us, saints, as we behold him, we won't be aware of it, but people will come and they will acknowledge the good thing that is in you by Christ Jesus. And they'll say, man, brother, I see Christ in you. Thanks, thanks for your patience. Thanks for your mercy. Sister, thanks for your kindness. I see him in you. Oh, and you'd be taken aback. Like, oh, oh, well, cool. Thank you. Thank you. God is so good to me. You know, and we don't have this false pride either. Like, oh, well, praise God. Don't praise me. Praise God. You know, <laughs> receive a compliment. Receive a compliment because it's, they're complimenting the Christ in you. You know, receive it in all humility and true humility and go, thank, thank you, sister, for that encouragement. He is good. He is good, and he's living through me. Thanks. Thanks. See? That's, re- that's genuine humility. You know, not this other stuff. So, um, so anyway, it's, it's a whole new thing. It's a whole new reality. It's not a, it's not, we're, not, we're not trying to sew two covenants together um, or combine two things together. Jesus was very clear about this. New wine must be put into new wineskins. And it, the, you can't repair the old shirt um, by ruining the new shirt. You've got to throw the old shirt away and put on the new shirt. So what I thought I'd do this morning is, is, I've never done this before, but I thought it'd be fun. I got a shirt. I got two shirts. Because this, you know, you hear these parables, and you don't realize how shocking it is. I bought it for this, but I bought it at Steinmart, so it's not, it's not a polo or something. But this, I mean, when you think about it, it's, it's really shocking to see it. Because here's a, here's a shirt, here's an old shirt that has a hole in it. And this is an old shirt. And so what Jesus, Jesus is saying here, here you've got a shirt with a hole in it. This is like the, the righteousness under the law. It, just not, it does not cover. It's not sufficient because you can't do enough. And you, the reason why the law is not, this is the deal. The reason the law can never make you righteous is because it's not a matter of what you do. If you were as Paul and you were blameless as to the law, which he says he was in Philippians, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he still was unrighteous. 
Because it is the heart. You cannot change the heart. Only God can. Can a leper remove his spots? Not a leper, a leopard. Can a leopard? A leopard too. Only God can remove the leprosy. And only God can remove the spots off a leopard. That's the issue. That's the issue. That's what Jesus was getting at when he was saying, you know, you think you haven't committed lust, uh, I mean, committed adultery, but you've lusted in your heart. So you've already broken the law. Or you think you haven't murdered, but you hate and you're angry. And that's, that's like murder. So it, it comes from the heart. God never wanted man just to have a behavior modification outwardly. That's why he said in the Old Testament when they said, when he gave the covenant of law, and they foolishly said, we will do all that you have commanded us. We will do it. And the Lord said, oh, that there would be such a heart in them that they really could and would and would want to do it. Because he knew. Jesus knew what was in man, the scripture says. But the good news is that he has come and given us a new heart through spiritual circumcision and through resurrection. The death of Christ is all about the complete forgiveness of sin. The death of Christ is all about the complete removal of sin and complete justification and the end of judgment. But the resurrection of Christ is, the, is God creating again. As in the beginning, a new species, a new creation raised in Him in power. That's what the body of Christ must see along with the fact that He's not counting our sins against us. We must see the new creation. It is a two-fold punch that will catapult you and sustain you and keep you on this journey on earth. It's the wisdom of God and the power of God. Yes. Okay, a little, little uh, preview for what I'm going to share in there. In the beginning, God made a garden to put man in. And in that garden were two trees, the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. In this work of Christ, God once again prepared a place for us before he created the new man. That place, that real, true garden is Christ. And in that garden, real quick, in that garden, there is only one tree. Not only that, because there's no choice in that garden because you've made the choice by choosing him. So in him, there is one tree. Not only that, but you are actually in the tree, grafted to the tree of life. That is why we're better off than Adam was before the fall. Isn't that awesome? That is, the, that is the truth. We are joined to him. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. We are actually in him and he's in us. You are in the garden, the true garden of which all that in Eden was a picture of the Christ. Isn't that awesome? 
The whole thing. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Everything that was made and created spoke of the invisible things of God. That's exactly right. Awesome. Isn't that awesome? To reveal Christ. All that he is. Which reveals all the, the Father is. Because he created first, he allowed evil to happen so he could show his heart because the angels did not understand grace. But in grace, we see the very heart of God, for that is his heart, full of grace. And so he redeems and creates again. And how can you understand goodness unless you can see the opposite? Exactly. And it provides a choice for man, too. To know him. Yes. That's it. And what his goodness is. Right. But you have to contrast it to That's right. And true love must be a choice. That's for Hazel. Okay, so here's, here is a shirt with a hole in it. Isn't this awesome though? Yes. Y'all, y'all pray, y'all pray. I really want to just blow up in there. Because we really have got to see this. We've got to see this, the new heart, the new creation. We've got to see this. Saints are depressed, trying to perfect themselves in the flesh. And they sin, and they think that's them, and they think they're evil, and they're they're being told in some circles that they're evil, and that they have a deceitful, evil heart. Yes, we did at one time before we were born from above, but not anymore. Saints need to hear this and see this. So anyway, so here's the new shirt. So it's like somebody taking a new shirt. (laughs) You want me just one size fits all? That's right, all righteousness. So, so you want me just act like I'm doing it? You take the shirt home. But, but it's, sho- it's, it's shocking, though, isn't it? I mean, really, it's like, here's a brand new shirt. I'm taking it out of the package. I'm taking the pins out. It, the package, it's got to be out of the package. It's got to be, it's got to have pins in it. It's got to, ha- it's got to be out of the package. I guarantee you one thing, you'll never forget this. See? Oh, this is a nice shirt, too, actually. This is like... Uh... <laughs> right. I hate all these... Don't you hate all the pins in these shirts? That's right, Barbara. All right, so here's, so here's a new shirt. And, and I... I don't understand the grace of God, and I'm trying to fix this old shirt. And so I figure, well, you know what I can do? You know, God, God has given us, uh, you know, Jesus has taught us a lot of good things. Maybe if I do what Jesus taught me, you know, he gave a, a Sermon on the Mount. Maybe if I do what he says in the Sermon on the Mount, I can be righteous, right? So let's do that. Let's take what Jesus is teaching us about the Sermon on the Mount, and I'll, I'll cut a hole... 
I'll cut a hole out of what Jesus said I should do to be righteous. After all, he told the rich young ruler, just, you know, you know the commandments, keep them, and that's the way to eternal life. So if I just cut a hole out of what Jesus taught me about how to be a good boy, (laughs) that should work. I can sew it right there. And then, of course, it doesn't work. Pulls away. And then he realizes what he did. Oh, my gosh, I just ruined a brand new shirt. (laughs) But isn't that awesome, though? To see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just pick one off the shelf, right? I mean, you get maybe one shirt in a lifetime, and then right. to get a second one and cut a hole in it, it was, it was like mind-boggling. Who would do that? Exactly, exactly. That's how they treat balance. It's like, you know, how That's exactly right. See, what I was doing then, right then was what men say we should do. We should balance. We should take the old and new and kind of balance it together. The... Um, some teaching goes like this. It goes like this. It says, um, yeah, we're free from the ceremonial law, but we're not free from the moral law. And uh, because, you know, because Jesus expects us to, to not commit adultery and not steal and not lie and so forth. The problem with that is, first of all, the Ten Commandments that they say is the moral law has in it um, a law that says you're supposed to keep a day holy. Which, has, which is nothing about morality. It's just, it's, it's, it's a ritual. It's a symbolic ritual, just like the sacrifices were and so forth. So to be technically correct, they should say you should keep nine laws and not ten. Otherwise, if they're not setting aside Saturday as a holy day, doing no work, not walking a certain distance, and all the laws that involve the Sabbath... Then they are breaking the moral law as they, as they define it because they define the moral law as the Ten Commandments. And, of course, we have a whole denomination that believes that called the Seventh-day Adventists. And they actually set aside Saturday and try to keep the law. I'm glad God put that little fly in the ointment there. You know, you can't say Ten Commandments. You've got to say nine. And by what authority do you knock off one? Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, there's a verse that's awesome verse that says, he, uh, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for all who have believed. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for all who, who have believed. So what happened when Jesus came, he said, Think not that I've come to destroy the law and the prophets. I've not come to throw the law out. I've not come to reduce the standard. So if, you, if you're... You know, not quite as righteous as the law says, but just, you know, we'll knock off a few commandments. And if you can do that, then we'll let you in heaven. No, I haven't come to destroy it or, re- or lower the standard. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. As Romans says, for now there has appeared a righteousness which is apart, apart from the law, which is Christ. See, there's a righteousness which is by the law, which has to do with man's efforts. And now there's a righteousness that has appeared to us 
apart from the law, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, the scripture says that would come. For the day would come when they would say, the Lord, our righteousness. So he fulfilled the all law by living the perfect life, born under the law, born of a woman. Even as a child, he fulfilled the law when his parents brought him in for circumcision and they offered the sacrifices of the turtle doves. That's a sacrifice that the poor would offer. The, the, the law provided for a sacrifice for the poor families that couldn't afford a lamb or or some kind of uh, uh, goat or something. And so the, the, for the poor, they could just offer turtle doves, which were common and easy to get and, and cheaper. So this Mary and Joseph actually offered turtle doves for Jesus because they were so poor. And, but even that, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled everything. He fulfilled everything. He went to Passover. He went to all these things. He lived the perfect moral life. He, he, no one could convince him of any sin. He was perfect. He fulfilled all things. And then that's how he could be our substitute. That's how he could become sin for us. And he could give us his righteousness. You actually are being given the righteousness of not, you actually, or you and I are actually getting the righteousness of the man, Christ Jesus, living on earth through the power of God, which is the righteousness of God because he lived by the Father. See, he didn't do it. He said, the Son can do nothing of himself. So he actually, God actually gave us the righteousness of Christ himself as if you lived on earth as I lived on, as if I lived on earth perfectly never sinning ever ever so he fulfilled it and then when he died he put an end to it and that's why the veil rent to begin a new covenant which was promised to Abraham the seed is coming the seed is coming, and to the seed should come to whom the promise was made, the seed being Christ. And so he put an end to the old covenant, fulfilled all things, became our substitute to give us his righteousness in this new covenant. And now he holds the cup up in the Last Supper and says, this cup is the new covenant. The blood is the new covenant. Because now it's not a matter of our performance, but it's a matter of his performance by the obedience of one Christ Jesus. Now we are made righteous. This is the new covenant. So he fulfilled all things. He ended the law. And what was the other one, Russ? Oh, yeah, rid of the law. We're dead to it. You can't say it any more strongly than that. We are dead to the law, the scripture says. We are dead to the law. Um, you can't say it any. Paul says you're released from the law. You're dead to the law. Um, you're free from the law. You're not under the law. I mean, how many ways can you say it? I mean, not, not under, free, released, dead to it. Um, and then he describes what it is if you are under it. It's the letters of death. It stimulates sin. It's not of faith. I mean, over and over again. And the law does not become faith for the believer. Some people think that, okay, now that we're in Christ, the law is something that, can, that you can live by. No, the law is not of faith. It never becomes of faith. That's why Paul says in Romans 7, we no longer serve. Uh, that's a word that speaks of the journey. That speaks of after being born again and walking with Christ. We no longer serve God in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the spirit. See, That's a, that word serve is a reference to the journey. See, and who are the true sons of God? But they who are led by the spirit of God. See, so you never go back to the law. If you're dead to it, how can you go back to that which you're dead to? And the law actually stimulates sin in the flesh because the law is not of faith. The moment you try to do in order to be is the, is the, the mystery of iniquity is 
is triggered. The moment you try to do in order to be, the mystery of iniquity is triggered in the flesh. And the very thing you're trying not to do, you find yourself doing all the more. That's what Paul said in Romans 7. Because we don't live trying to do in order to be. We live from a posture of being. And I love what, G, what Paul said. He said when the uh, Ephesians were getting in the flesh, he didn't say, okay, let's, let's really examine the flesh so we can confront these flesh issues and repent of them. And let's detect sin in the flesh and have some confrontation and some repentance. No. He says to the Ephesians who were getting in the flesh, he said, you did not so learn Christ in this way. If you have heard him and have seen him as the truth or the real is in Jesus. That is the proper response to sin in the flesh is to encourage the believer you didn't learn that from him. You're not seeing him. You're not hearing him for the real is in Jesus. Look at him for it is he who has created you new in him after his image. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? What a freedom. So it's all focused on Christ. Set your mind on Jesus. Look at him. Look at him. And so what happens is we go, wow, this new creation, when I, when I see him, I'm wired. The new creation is actually wired, dependent on him. It's wired that way. That's why you're a branch and a vine. It's wired that way. Just as the son could do nothing of himself, we can do nothing without the son. As Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. So we're wired that way. The new man is made that way. We work that way. If the, new, if the new creation was an engine, if it was an engine, a motor, if the new creation was an engine that produced uh, good fruit, say, an engine that produced fruit, like love, joy, peace, whatever. Say it was a machine that produced love, joy, peace. The fuel for the engine is a revelation of Jesus. That's the fuel for the engine of the new creation. Because you look to him for all things. You can do nothing of yourself. You're made that way as a new creation. You're wired that way. So as we behold him and hear him, it's a, it's a mystery how it works. It could not work before you and I were born again because we couldn't see him. But now in this great mystery of new creation, to behold him is to start shining like what you're seeing. It's the fuel of the new creation. And it's a rest. And it's all focused on him that no flesh can glory in his presence. Isn't that awesome? awesome. And it, it's encouraging. And there's no reason to despair ever. Speaking the truth, this truth to one another in love, building each other up, we come to the full maturity and stature of the fullness of Christ as we are manifesting who we are. We're not doing to be. We are. And we are manifesting who we are. And when we act contrary to who we are, then that's not us. As Paul says in Romans 7, the sin that I do, the very thing I hate I'm doing, I realize it is sin in my flesh, not in me. For the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit's alive because of righteousness. Amen. Amen. A new man. Yes, we gotta, and I've got to wrap it up.
them out on the road. But God opens up and rips the veil and says, no more fear. Absolutely. All fear is gone now. That's right. That's exactly right. The perfect love has cast out all fear. Carol, real quick. That's exactly right. Now, I mean, the, the, very, the very reason or the very fact that we are, we go, uh-oh, we missed it. Well, that shows us that our heart, uh, that we're, re, we're born again. Otherwise, our unregenerated conscience wouldn't even say, uh-oh, you know. And then just say, Lord, that's not me. That's, that, Lord. that's exactly right. Why, why just like, that's exactly right. You know, that's why it says, grieve not the Spirit of God. Don't bring sadness to the Spirit of God by walking after the flesh. Well, there would be no sadness... If you were not complete in him with a new heart. That's exactly right. We wouldn't even be conscious that we did anything wrong. We that's right. Just, uh, and that's, that's exactly right. Which is like how the, the unbeliever is. The unbeliever pursues uh, lust and impurity with greediness, the scripture says. Being alienated from the life of God. Being darkened in their understanding of God. That's, that's who they are. That's by, by nature, children of wrath. But we are by nature of the divine. Partakers of the divine nature. So it really it messes us up when we don't act like our father. But, we, but when it messes us up, we don't get condemned anymore. When you understand it, and that's, exactly. And that's why we, we need to help everybody be encouraged to know no man after the spirit, but after the flesh. I mean, no, no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. That right there is powerful. No, no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. That means we know unbelievers as people who need his life. And we know believers as people who have his life. And who are complete in Him who is their life. That's how to know each other after the Spirit. Yes. I hope I, remembered, I hope I remember that verse. Because that's what happened in the beginning of the first creation. Is God begins to create always by light first. Let there be light. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, In the same way, the same God who said, Let there be light, has shined in our hearts to give us the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus so that creation could begin again. Woo! Pray that that I'll remember to say all this stuff. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see, help us. I pray that this will be a a very awesome, awesome time as the saints gather. Lord, help us just relax in you and enjoy you today. I pray that it would just flow this morning in worship and in teaching. Lord, make many eyes be open. May there come light from above, revelation of the Spirit, that people would be encouraged and strengthened by the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. We thank you that all authority has been given to you in heaven and on earth. And we go in your name. We go in your name in arrest. Thank you, Lord, that we put on the new shirt. Awesome. Amen.